Welcome to A Little Marketing with Nikki and Mark and Phil, a podcast where marketers discuss marketing and the small moves that make a big difference. A Little Marketing is a collaboration between Blue Whale Communications in Kelowna and 1020 Marketing in Montreal. Have a question or topic suggestion? Email Nikki at Nikki at BlueWhaleCommunications.ca. Look for A Little Marketing on YouTube and coming soon to your favorite podcasting platforms. Subscribe, like, and share. Hey, Mark. Hey, Nikki. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? Good. Your background is different. It is different. I'm, uh, I'm away. I am away. Uh, I am in Deerfield Beach where all the snowbirds go for the winter. Very I'm here nice. for a few days. And I am ensconced in as many pillows as you can imagine <laughs> in my father-in-law's place today. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your background is mostly the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same as it always is. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. You got to do one with you in the campground. Yes. Yeah. That would be heaven for you. I'm sure. That would be pretty, my, my standard. If it doesn't look like this, it looks like a campground. So I'm sure I know. I see your stuff on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. Yeah. All right. So uh, what do we got going on today? Super excited about today. Last week, I introduced Michelle Leach and called her like a genius in all things online. And she is. And so we're going to talk to her today about landing pages and, um, you know, using them, whether you're a product based or service based business. Um, and she's kind of just going to walk us through the steps for that. So I'll let her in and we can get awesome. started right away. Fantastic. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So excited. So I was just saying last week when I was introducing this week's episode, I introduced you and I called you a genius in all things like online and like backend setup and everything. So um, like maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of how you became so like well-versed in all of these like nitty gritty things that I feel like a lot of people just don't understand properly. Thanks. Yeah. Well, that's so sweet of you. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Michelle. I created Two Pass Co. about a year, just over a year ago after working in this space for about five years and doing just a lot of little things. I started as a VA. I did a lot of little tasks and slowly I found that I was kind of raising the bar as far as my ability to catch all these like little nitty gritty details. Um, so pretty soon I ended up managing a lot of these businesses versus kind of working um, for, for those businesses. So um, I kind of learned as I went through this process um, and kind of felt as I was going through that a lot of the time, um, these businesses that I was working for, right, we have these entrepreneurs and they're working for their business rather than the business working for them. So I created a lot of my own strategies in order to help people really find their lifestyle again, because I don't know about you guys, but I started my business so that I could support my life um, and not the other way around. So kind of like the basics of it. Um, and it's fun. I found that it's a lot more fun this way too. Um, I love doing a little bit of everything. Um, and when I was only doing a few things or only half of my skill set, I started to feel really like out of, out of line with what I was doing. Um, and I really want to bring that to everybody that you don't have to pick one thing. You don't have to only focus on one narrow part of it. You can really have an overall strategy, um, and skills that kind of, um, take you more places. 
I, I love that. I, I think that's good. I think that's a way, a great way to consider yourself as an entrepreneur. I think that's fun. I think that's smart and it keeps you engaged, I'm sure. Absolutely. Like there's always going to be times in your business when you're a little bit down um, and when it's not fun, it's, it's really hard to motivate yourself to get back into it. <laughs> so while you were saying that uh, your business as a business person, you don't want to focus on one thing today, we said we might focus on one element of one of those things that you do, right? So you want to talk a little bit about what a landing page is just to kick off? Absolutely. So a lot of people have come across landing pages before, and you're probably most familiar if you've ever gotten a Facebook ad or you've been on Google and you clicked on something and it's popped up and said, give me your name and email address. That's more or less a landing page. It's a place to send your potential clients or potential customers and collect their information. Sometimes, most of the time, it's an email address, but sometimes it might be a phone number. Um, it might even direct them to some sort of social media. But basically, you're looking to connect with that member. So what would be a reason for that? Like, why would you click an ad and be directed to a form? Like, obviously, there's a next step or a purpose behind that. Yeah. And so this is like the foundation of what I do. And I use automations to deliver. Normally my work is through email marketing, um, but other people might use automations to send other Facebook ads or send them along another part of the customer journey. But ultimately you're looking at retaining that client or potential client, just displaying your knowledge, getting them to like you, getting them to trust you, and then ultimately getting them to buy from you. Or in the case of what I'm going to be specifically talking about today, rebuying from you, retaining that customer and keeping them inside of that life cycle or growing that life cycle. I think that's super important because we always say in marketing, it is so much easier to sell to someone a second time than it is to get a new customer. But it's often not talked about beyond that. Or I think it's it um, gets lost in everything else that's going on and people don't focus on that customer retention aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that we're so keen on like new customer brings new cash and a recurring customer has to go through that short or potentially really long period of buying their first product. So we kind of forget about them and we're focused on, you know, like shiny object syndrome, basically shiny new client syndrome. It's funny, so much of what you're talking about is giving me like a little bit of a throwback to, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Seth Godin or Godin, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, a very well-known marketer. And one of the books that I remember having a very big impact on me was called Permission Marketing. And what he basically said in that book was the most powerful thing that you can gain from a prospective client or an existing client is an opt-in allow, uh, you know, a signal from them that allows you to communicate with them. And this is exactly what we're talking about right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like social media is so helpful for brand awareness, but until somebody actually gives you that like direct line of, yeah, I do want to hear from you. Like it just opens the door up and your conversion rate is going to, you know, hopefully if you're doing it right, increase as a result. So let's talk a little bit about landing pit. Go ahead, Nikki. No, I feel like I was going to jump in a little bit ahead. Base, you go ahead. <laughs> All I was going to say is, why don't we talk a little bit about landing pages and the different kinds? Because often I find if I'm clicking on an ad, and and we do this work for clients too. So I'm curious to know what your point of view is. 
if we're clicking in from an ad, usually there's a nice and tight, uh, I mean, from a, like a PPC ad or pay-per-click Google ad or whatever, there's, there's a nice landing page that I'm being sent to. And it's usually pretty manageable. Like it's not a lot of information to get, but I noticed there are certain categories where if I'm being driven to a landing page from social media, where it tends to be a long scroll, lots of videos, lots of testimonials, lots of like, you know, staccato one line sort of sales copy. I'm curious to hear from you, the expert, like what works and what doesn't. So ultimately, I think what works is whatever you feel most aligned with. So the people who are creating these super long sales letters, they're, they have a masterful way of writing copy that is just yeah. so engaging and it increases like, or it makes their potential customer want to keep scrolling. Now that isn't a strategy that aligns for everybody. Um, myself, definitely, I'm more interested in like those big sudden impacts and getting people to take action now. Um, and then kind of give them a few more points along the way rather than just have them scroll and scroll and scroll. Um, but I've seen yeah. all methods work. It's funny. I, I tend to agree with it. Like I, I get caught, I, I have a copywriting background. So, and like Nikki, so I, I get caught up in actually reading those emails. I don't think I've actually ever filled out a form on one of those. And usually they're like topics that are very interesting to me, like golf or travel or things like that. And I can't remember a single instance where I've actually filled out the form on those things. But the, the landing pages that speak to me most are, they give you just enough information and, they, and then you can get a demo or you can set up a call or, or, or. and I guess, you know, it's, it's industry driven and, you know, where you are in your mindset as a potential consumer. But I was just wondering if you thought that those long, long, long ones work. They definitely work. Um, but if you're looking to hire me, for example, I probably would just turn you to a different expert because those aren't my preferred way of, of designing pages. Um, I like things to be a bit punchier and, and full of color and um, more visual, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So earlier when we were chatting, you mentioned automations. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about like what, what kind of automations or like what are the separate pieces that are coming together? Yeah, so I use automations across every aspect of my business, um, especially my clients' businesses. And automations really just mean that an action needs to happen. And instead of you manually doing that, some sort of system in the back end is firing all those automatically. So in my case, that tends to be email marketing. So as soon as somebody opts in, an automation takes place to send them some sort of a welcome email. And then we're going to have a series of other automated emails, giving them more and more information, providing that like, like trust kind of no factor. And then depending on the industry or the client or the offer that's taking place, we then transition from that nurturing aspect into more of a sales aspect. But there are so many other automations that can pl take place um, in the middle of that. We have ways to segment the audience. So you can say, hey, this person clicked on this, but they didn't click on that. We know what they're more interested in. We're going to send them targeted emails or targeted ads more directly related to the things that they're engaging with and kind of leave off the things that they didn't engage with. And I think that's the true power of automation that a lot of people forget about. 
is to them, it's a single stream of this, then this, then this. But for me, it's more of like a, more of like a branch, kind of like a tree where they're going in different places and they have the potential to go different places. Right. And then in this case, the landing page would start as like the door into this network, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious to know which uh, software you or you prefer for your email marketing once somebody does fill out that form on the landing page. Yeah, generally for the past five years, I've been a Kartra like, expert. Um, almost all of my clients have been Kartra-based clients. Kartra is an all-in-one platform that does everything from marketing websites, selling the products, hosting the courses, affiliate marketing. It does everything. Um, but I've used several several platforms. Um, Active Campaign is another one that I really love. Um, I'm starting to play around with Clavio a little bit more as well. I've got some clients who use MailerLite. So everything from free to very expensive. Um, and they all have a place. I'm just like getting into Kartra, like combining all of my little things that I had and using Kartra. And it is so comprehensive. But what I like about it is that it like walks you through. And even though I'm not uh, like advanced enough to build out these full automations and these full funnels by myself, Kartra like will prompt me with certain things. So I can like sort of set up like a little mini like branch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's great too, because you can take what you need and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. do, your do, your, do your automations extend beyond the actual sending of emails? Like, uh, so we, we were working with a client, well, Nikki and I work with a client that um, that wasn't getting email notifications when a form was completed. So they didn't know when a lead came in, when a new client raised their hand and said, yes, talk to me. And so we tried to work with them to say, okay, they're working with a third-party provider, but we wanted to make sure that they're getting all of the information. So they used to say, you know, a lead came in and then they would have to log into their platform. We want We wanted the email itself to have all the information from the form that was completed so that they didn't have to go back into the CRM to make that initial contact. Uh, do you consider do that an important element of the automation process as well? Um, for my clients, it's typically not as important because the volume of leads that they're getting would just overwhelm them. Um, and most of the time they're selling things more or less on autopilot. So they have a digital course um, or some sort of um, product that automatically gets sent out um, and they don't have to do any customizations. Hmm. Beautiful. So yeah. maybe that's a good segue to what we, something else that we talked about earlier, but the difference between like online service-based and physical product-based businesses and how like setting up a landing page and this funnel system can work for both. Yeah. Or I would even include, I would even divide it into three categories, physical products, digital products, and then services being separate um, because services are going to be a lot more customized. Whereas if you're sending out a course or a membership, um, generally you're not customizing too, too much within that. Um, and I think that landing pages and automated email marketing, especially, they they really help with the online course sales. That's primarily what I've been focused on for the past five or so years is developing those courses and then finding a way to, to market them automatically so that the client can then go, cool, I'm going to go for a hike or I'm going to go do my thing and then come back and check in. You know, they're not constantly redoing the service over and over and over again that allows them to focus on 
you know, their lifestyle and then also developing more products and then continuing that person along through that life cycle, right? Like really extending the life cycle. And um, when, when you're talking to about automations and the sequence and all that sort of thing, can we talk a little bit about your, your, your thoughts on acquisition versus retention versus upsell? Versus so, upsell. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So the, <laughs> well, the, I mean, the different branches that might be formed from your initial lead capture. Yeah. So upsell is interesting because I feel like that can fit into both kind of ways. It depends on how you're doing that upsell. Um, but like we all know, it's acquisition is more expensive than retention, right? Like massively so, like 50% more likely to have an existing customer try one of your new products versus a brand new customer, right? Like you're only converting it sure. five to 10% um, for a new customer. Um, but when it comes to upselling, it's really going to depend a lot on your, like your offer, where you're putting that offer. Some people upsell at the point of purchase. Some people are going to upsell after they've already purchased. And then when you're after, you're kind of moving into that retention kind of stage. Um, so that's a really hard question to answer <laughs> <laughs> when you throw upsells so, into it. <laughs> so, sorry. Well, so let's go back and take upsell out of it. Talk about the automation process when you're acquiring somebody and you're trying to convince them to sign up to something or buy something versus, you know, keeping them on board with you over the long haul. Yeah. So I think one of the major kind of pain points that I think I'm going to be bold and say almost all business owners have is that they feel a little bit like uncomfortable about selling. They don't want to ask for the sale and you're never going to make a sale if you don't ask for the sale. Um, and so the acquisition part, it's very tricky and you have to do a lot of testing around where do you ask for that sale? But once a customer has already made a purchase, you don't have that, um, that nurturing aspect anymore. You can more or less jump right back into, hey, you liked that product, you might also like this product. And it just becomes a lot smoother. And that's why I really wanna focus on automating the retention marketing process because all you have to do is get somebody to, if you've, if you've sold a physical product, for example, show them a landing page, get them to opt in, and then you can show them your next product. Um, maybe you have a something random jewelry making kit. Well, maybe they get the kit and you want to provide a membership where they can get, where they can build more things. Now you have a landing page that they can opt into to get some tips on jewelry making. I don't know why I said jewelry making. I've literally never worked with a jewelry maker. <laughs> Um, and then they can join your membership, right? Because you already know what they're interested in. You already know what they're willing to spend money in. And it just becomes so much easier. I like this. I, I want to go back to, um, I want to go back to before the sequence starts and, and the landing pages. And, and I want to talk a, a little bit about maybe the difference or the not difference of you know, driving from driving traffic to a website or to a landing page from organic sources, from social media or from paid media support. Like, do you view a difference there in terms of what the landing page should look like? I know that, you know, PPC stuff needs to lead to re more relevant landing pages. You know, obviously mm -hmm. everything should lead to a relevant landing pages, but your your ad itself is affected by the quality of your landing page. But beyond that, like what what are you what are you? What do you see there in terms of structuring the landing page, depending on what the traffic source is? 
Definitely. I think the cool part about Facebook ads or any ad really is that it's really behavioral based. You know exactly where they came from and exactly what to display on that next page. Organic marketing is a little bit more tricky because they might have seen a handful of Instagram posts before they ever checked out your landing page. So you don't specifically or always know the exact thing that kind of triggered them along there. So the way you structure your landing page, which is generally the way you write the copy, is going to kind of depend on the behaviors that they were doing before they landed on the page, which with Facebook ads is so easy. You can have five different of the same ad that takes them to a different landing page. If you want to get fancy, <laughs> you don't have to get fancy. Can you just explain that in a little bit more detail for people who might be listening? Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, a lot of behavioral marketing is they have an interest in something. So you could have the same product, but maybe three different audiences. And you can have a landing page and an ad designed for that specific audience only. And I think getting really clear on who is landing on your page and what they're interested in is going to help you market to them and then ultimately sell to them a lot easier. Yeah, I think that's missed by a lot of people who are are putting out campaigns that they don't understand that, you know, they should A-B test. They should look at the different destination points. They should look at where people are coming in from and, you know, they put out one single landing page and hope for it to be a cap uh, you know, an, uh, a catch-all for all the different audiences and types of ads or, or types of content that they're putting out there. Yeah. And I'm going to give an example of this because I think it'll help clarify it even more. And I hope I'm doing, I hope I'm giving an accurate example. So correct me if I'm wrong. But if you're thinking of, for example, like a Subaru SUV, you could be marketing to mothers and families about the safety of the vehicle versus people like you and I who like to get out in the woods and adventure, it's the same product, but completely different audiences, right? So your ad and your landing page for one product for those two audiences would be completely different. Is that what we're- That's like? a perfect example. Yeah. yeah. This is a good yeah. example. Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah. agree. So Michelle, any yeah. last words of, uh, any last words of wisdom before we, before we wrap up? Well, I feel like we got really a little bit technical um, and quite detailed. And I don't want to scare anybody away who thinks like, oh, my God, now I have to create five landing pages. You don't. You can start with one landing page. Just make sure that you know who the landing page is for and what purpose it's going to bring. And then don't be afraid to insert landing pages or similar similar types of pages along your customer funnel or your customer journey. Um, specifically and especially once they've already made a purchase, <laughs> send them something else, ask them how, how they felt about it, request their feedback. I know that that's a little bit scary and I need to work on that um, myself, but you're never going to know if you don't ask um, and you're never going to make another sale if you don't ask or I shouldn't say uh, never. I, I like that approach. I, I think Nikki and I talk a lot to clients about, um, you know, taking baby steps and starting small and then building upon successes and not trying to bite off more than they can chew as well, I think is a, important for a lot of the clients that we work with. So I think that's pretty sound and logical advice to follow. Yeah, I think, I think, like you said, we got kind of technical. So if anyone has like questions or they are a little bit confused, what areas of support could you maybe provide? And then how can people like reach you? 
Definitely. So anybody can reach me through my website. That's twopathsco.com, T-W-O, pathsco.com. And I do everything from consulting on product development to creating the products to marketing the products um, and everything kind of in between. Awesome. So my clients retain me for a quick project and some of them stay with me for years to continue doing this. Amazing. Love it. I said Amazing. I just got into Kartra, so I might be uh, calling you soon. <laughs> I was just going to say, saying, I, I might want to pick your brain and uh, maybe work with you too. <laughs> well, I'm here for you guys. Just let me know. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so well, nice to meet you, so Michelle. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Bye. Cool. That was a great topic. I love that. I, that was a great discussion. There, like, There's so many details, like we said, like the nitty gritty that I feel like we could have talked all afternoon and still not covered all the bases. Oh, for sure. 100%. There's mm -hmm. so much to get into on that stuff. Mm -hmm. Hey, just as a note, you brought up Subaru as an example in there. Mm -hmm. Did you know that more than any other car brand, Subaru owners are the most likely car owners to have a dog? I did not, but I will say I'm not surprised. And the reason Subaru came to mind is because Whenever I talk about content marketing and storytelling, Subaru is my go-to example, because if you look at their car, like their TV commercials, yeah. they so target them so well. And they focus on people with dogs and adventurers, and they they really just speak to their audience. Like they they always come to mind first when I'm looking for a good 100%. You probably notice it because of the type, you're an adventure person, you're a dog person, and it probably hits you, you know, in your heart a little bit. My two-door Honda Civic doesn't quite get the job done. So <laughs> I noticed those Subaru commercials. Yeah. yeah. I can see you in a Crosstrek or in an Outback pretty soon. Yeah. I've, I've, I'll say I've got my eyes on a, on a Jeep. I don't know. Uh, 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 similar. Personally, but um, yeah, I like their vibe for sure. I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. So what's up uh, on our next show? So next week, we're going to talk to Andrea Greenhouse, uh, Vision to Voice Communications, uh, about internal communications, actually. So um, uh, looking forward to it. All right. Well, that uh, should be fun, as usual. As usual. Exactly. All right, Nikki, thanks for everything. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. You too, Mark. Okay, we'll talk soon. Ciao. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.